I was driving along the road one day, enjoying the lovely countryside, when suddenly Jesus loomed up in front of me. Well, not Jesus himself, but a painting of him. A big painting. The billboard had been turned on end, and there stood Jesus, coming on the clouds. It really was a bit startling. Well, my initial reaction was a kind of condescension. It seemed a little naive to do such things. But then I got to thinking, you know, driving in the car is a good time for that, such things. I got to thinking that this sense that indeed Jesus will come again is part of our tradition. Some of you may even remember the old hymn, Jesus is coming again to earth, what if it were today? Coming in power and love to reign, what if it were today? Certainly the early church had a strong sense that Jesus could come at any time. And Jesus himself had it. Witness the text we just read. Well, those of us who've grown up in mainline churches like Presbyterians don't talk about such things very much. And we quite rightly shy away from the folk who have developed the timetables and the predictions. When I was serving over in Carney's Point, New Jersey, there was a big sign on the highway that, as I drove into town that said, Jesus is coming on the 30th of May. Well, we're all still here. <laughs> Those folk read everything except Jesus' declaration that even he doesn't know when it's going to happen. Only God. I suspect we also ignore this part of the tradition because all of that seems very far away. And we tend to concentrate on the work at hand rather than worry about something over which, frankly, we have no control. That's good. It's one of the things I rather like about being Presbyterian. However, I do wonder if we don't miss something by never thinking that long-range idea. It's as if we took this very large picture and cropped it down to just a little corner. And we see that portion of the picture in great detail, but we miss the larger framework. We have little idea of how that little bit fits into that larger scheme of things. Because the reality is that Christian faith takes place within a very large picture. From the beginning, when the Spirit of God broods over the waters of creation, a world without form and void, to the very end of time, when God's reign over all the universe is evident. From earth's wide bounds, from oceans farthest coast, through gates of pearl stream in the countless hosts, singing to Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Alleluia, Alleluia. Well, if you frame the world in that big way, then how does it affect what you see and how you live? Well, let's start where Jesus started. It does mean that temples get torn down. Literally, well, you know, that big temple in Jerusalem, huge temple, was torn down. But I think there's also a kind of figurative sense in that. The temple was crucial to Jewish identity. It was the center of Jewish political, religious, and cultural life. It was the place where God was invisibly enthroned in the midst of God's people. And Jesus says, you don't need that temple anymore. In me, God has come I am the new temple, the old one's no longer needed. So we don't have a temple, 
But what do we have as the center of our lives? What are the values that give shape and meaning to your life? What are the things that you go chasing after? Where do you put your energy, your money? When you have to make cho choices, what do you choose and on what basis? And do you choose those things over the things of God? Are they in conflict with Jesus, with his values, his priorities? If so, then they're not going to last very long. They'll be torn down in one way or another, and at the end of your life, you'll be left with something that just crumbles, or you're going to be left with something that lasts. Will it come to an end, or will it go on with you all the way into eternity? And if you frame your life that way, what difference does it make? You see, framing our lives in the light of eternity will affect our values, our choices, our priorities. And it'll also affect the way in which we understand the things that happen to us. I think it's Ann Lander's advice to uh, hurting folk that goes, repeat. She says, repeat to yourself, this too will pass. Well, that's a lot of good common sense. But I think we can do better. Pain, physical or psychic, tends to shrink our world. It makes it very hard to see beyond ourselves and our present distress. And putting that within the larger frame of God's rules changes how I understand what's happening to me. You know, I've quoted her before. Dame Julian was a mystic who lived in the Middle Ages during a time of both famine, plague, civil war. And she kept saying, and all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of thing shall be well. And saying that doesn't mean that nothing bad or hard is ever going to happen to me. It does mean, and it doesn't also mean that it's going to turn out the way I want it to. It does mean that God will hold me safely through whatever happens and bring me out into something good. There are folk who think that living in the expectation of Jesus coming allows them to kind of withdraw from the world. Former Secretary of the Interior James Watt once said that ecology really didn't matter much because after all, the Lord is coming soon. To such thinking, I would say just the opposite. If the kingdom of heaven is a reality that will indeed come, then we have a responsibility to live now as if it were a present reality, as well as something in the future. My theology professor in seminary, James Cohn, used to say, if heaven is like that, what am I doing in a mess like this? If that's the way God intends the world to be, then I need to do everything possible to make it real here and now. We all know that we struggle with some really tough issues in this country. Even small towns are not immune to drugs and the uh, violence that they bring. The op opioid crisis has hit us in places like this, as well as the inner cities. And for all the advances in civil rights, racism and misogyny still eats at the core of our nation. And rich as we are, we know that our resources cannot stretch to fix everything that needs fixing. 
And even when we try our very best, it doesn't always work. So it would be very easy to get discouraged and say, well, we're not going to try anymore. And of course, sometimes we do get discouraged. But if we can remember that the defeat of evil will come, that its destruction is God's intent for the world, then we can just plod along even when the going gets tough. It's not hopeless. The final outcome is assured. And even if we don't live to see it, the final outcome is assured. And framing the world in such a way means that we live in hope. And I don't mean just kind of a rosy-eyed optimism. I mean a hope that is rooted and grounded in God, that watches and waits for the coming of God's kingdom, and that sees signs, however faint, of that kingdom here and now. That old hymn, What If It Were Today, ends this way. Faithful and true, would he find us here if he should come today, watching in gladness and not in fear, if he would come today? Glory, glory, haste to prepare the way. Glory, glory, Jesus will come someday. Amen. <laughs>